we welcome you again to Northwest Chapel. We've got a couple uh, other items here uh, that we want to share with you. Uh, first is we've got four new members that we want to recognize that are now officially part of uh, the body of believers here at Northwest Chapel. We want to recognize Brian and Jeanette Swigert and Rob and Mary Bosworth. They have gone to the intro to Northwest class, baptized. They agreed to our statement of faith. They're faithful attenders and serve in ministries. We welcome the Swigerts and the Bosworths to Northwest Chapel. And last week, hopefully you were here. If you missed it, you missed it. We had our annual family fun fest. We had perfect conditions. It was spectacular. And I got to tell you just a few tidbits from the day. Number one, uh, we had over 400 people here, and more than half of them were new from the community to our campus here at Northwest Chapel. Praise God. Yeah. One other thing, too, just so you know, we, we uh, captured some information from every person that registered, and only guests could register. We didn't need any more information about you. We already know everything about you. <laughs> no, seriously, we do. Uh, uh, no, but we captured some information that asked them significant questions like, there is evidence for the existence of God and we asked them, would you like to know what that evidence is? And over 35% of those responses said yes, they would. So we're going to be following up with those people, sharing with them information about the God that we know, love, and serve. So praise God for that. All right. Amen. Yeah, amen. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, so you can open up to Ephesians chapter 3. But before we get to that, it's time to play a game. It's called... Know your pastors. <laughs> I wanted some, uh, some of that game show music. Yeah, well, we, okay, anyways. Um, we have, as you heard just moments ago, Steve mentioned, two new pastors on board, Pastor Mike, Pastor Jonathan, and then the old dogs, Pastor John, Noah, <laughs> and myself. And so... Uh, thought we'd do a little, uh, little trivia game here to see if, if you know them, if you've had a chance to connect to them, if you know them. This isn't on the board, ladies and gentlemen. This is kind of a, this is just a freebie. Do you know your pastors? Do you know which one of the pastors here was born in Italy? That would be the young man that was just up here strumming the old guitar. That's Pastor Jonathan. That one doesn't count. No points for that one. Sorry. Let's move to the board. Top left. Which... One of our pastors has just a single letter for his middle name. Anybody? Yeah, that was easy. Some of you know that because he can't stop talking about his middle letter. He doesn't even have a middle name. He just has a middle letter. Do C. All right. Let's, let's not belabor this point. Okay. Next question. Which one of our pastors has flat feet? Survey says, anybody? Me? You know, I can always get stuck with these ones. No, it's not me. So you got four other options. <laughs> no, I'm Pastor Marty, so you can't pick me again. It's not me. It's Pastor Jonathan. Oh, now you know him better. You know him so well now in his feet. Next question. <laughs> 
which one of our pastors was featured on YouTube with over 35 million views? You could say me. I would love for it to be me. It is not me. It is not Mike. It's Noah. That is correct. Good. Next, next question. Which one loves, and when I say love, that's why I put it in caps, loves the aisle seat on an airplane? <laughs> you always think it's, it's this guy with the legs. No. I mean, yes, I do, but I don't love it. Noah loves it. All right. Next, which one, which one, right? This, this may be, you might think this is a trick question. Which one loves to, to do practical jokes? Noah. Noah. Pastor Mike, that is Pastor Mike. All right, next one. Which one loves vinegar in his bean soup? Hey, you got one. It was, it was almost like a process of elimination. He hasn't said any yet for himself, so we'll just guess Marty. But this is true. A big bowl of bean soup and two heaping tablespoons of vinegar with cornbread. Delicious. Delicious. All right. Which one of the pastors loves vanilla cream donuts? Yep. Yep, all of us. Amen. And last but not least, which one wrote a concerto performed by a full orchestra? I wasn't sure I need to validate this, but John claims that this is true. So there it is. Yes, Pastor John is a composer. That's what the C stands for. <laughs> composer. All right. Uh, speaking of Pastor John and Pastor Mike, they are out of state uh, with their respective families uh, on vacation. So be praying for them uh, this week as they're away. Uh, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. If you go back a few years, uh, well, yeah, here, let's, let's read this, uh, and then I'll, I'll share what I was going to say. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable, that's a great word, by the way, incalculable, riches of Christ, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for this time today as we look at your word and rediscover what church is. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are and what you mean to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, during COVID, as you recall, it's, it's becoming more and more of a distant memory. But during COVID, something very significant happened. And not unlike this light that's shining in my face, COVID put a spotlight on the American church, and maybe all churches globally, but especially in the American church. During COVID, a book was written exploring this phenomenon that took place, because what happened was when COVID hit, there were many, many American churchgoers that were riding the fence 
of their church attendance. And that all it needed was just a little push, and maybe it was more than just a little push, but COVID did something that no other force had done in centuries. And while COVID in America claims 1.1 million lives, that might be debated, the church lost 10 times that amount. Because virtually every church in America lost one-third of their church to COVID. And all it took was that lockdown to kind of push them off the fence outside of the church. Now, why? Was it because there was no real connection there? Was it because maybe they were nominal to begin with? Something caused this great departure. Now, the good news is, and especially here at Northwest Chapel, but even as recent as this year, we have seen folks that made the departure had been watching still the live stream for the past two and a half years have made their way inside the building. And today, I see some of you here, and we rejoice in the fact that you are here present in this body of believers. We still have those that are still watching online. But, but what really happened in the book highlights, is the church essential? Does it really matter if we gather? We live in a digital age. Why not just watch church, watch your favorite bald pastor preach from the comfort of your own home? Well, I can tell you that there are some reasons why people go and why people don't go to church. Here's the list of reasons why people do go to church based on some statistics. 81% say they go to church to become closer to God. We can certainly identify with that. Or so that the children will have a moral foundation. We'll go to church and outsource that responsibility that is the primary role for parents. Um, Maybe to become a better person. I'll improve me. I'll become a better version of myself. Perhaps people attend because they feel obligated to go. That's 31% said that. But what about those who choose not to go? What's their reasoning? Well, way too busy. Too tired. It's hard getting up. Church is hard. The weather's bad. I don't like this speaker. (laughs) It's not worth my time. I have to work. Church is boring. And maybe, like many of us, there has been real hurt that took place inside the church, and we're questioning its value for our lives at this point. Well, I can tell you, for our family during COVID, in the initial lockdown, there was this, oh, six or seven-week stretch where It was kind of fun to not be at church. We could do church in our homes. And I like to cook, so I would make a big breakfast, bacon and eggs and Dutch pancakes and fruit. We just had a great time. Uh, My kids are adult children and their families. My dad would all gather at our house, and we would have an enjoyable time around the breakfast table, and then we'd make our way into the family room. And it it was, for a time, kind of novel. Like, we had never really, like, Hey, this, maybe this is how church can be. I like this. And maybe I'll wear pants today. You know, there were these, these ideas where maybe I should get out of these pajamas and do something with my day, but I don't have to. And, but 
what are we supposed to do with church? What is the church? Why does it matter? Is it essential? Well, Paul, Paul tells us in this passage, and we're going to walk through it here in just a second, a significant aspect of why the church is so important, why it's so necessary that we gather together face to face. So let's go back to the text, and this is what he says. This grace was given to me. We can know this first and foremost. The church is a gift. It was given to us by God for a purpose and a plan that he has designed uh, from the start. And Paul was given this assignment specific to proclaiming this truth to the Gentiles. Now, Paul had had his own conversion experience and was now leading the charge to proclaim the truth to the Gentiles. This understanding that in the wisdom of God, in the, the, uh, the brilliance of God's purpose and plan, this would not be limited to just the Jewish nation. That this message, that this power from God, this gift from God to us could include all of us. And so he says to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Incalculable I don't, hear, don't care how good you are at math. There's not a calculator big enough for you to calculate all the riches that are in Christ. All that comes with knowing Jesus. Incalculable. Which is a fun word to say. <laughs> the riches of Christ. The wealth of knowing him as our personal Lord and Savior. And to then put a spotlight or to shed light for all about the administration. The the workings, the function of the church. But the administration of this mystery that is connected to that, this mystery that was hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church. Paul's charge, his assignment was specific to telling everyone else what this is supposed to be about and that there's more than just this but it begins here as a gift from God this assembly this gathering this body of believers is significant right it's significant because it is a corporate matter it's a corporate issue ecclesia we the body of Christ those who have believed in Jesus who have been made new in his name, represent a sanctified, set-apart, called-out group of people to be witness for him in this world. Amen. That is, that is where we start. But there's so much to know about church. Like, what is it? How does it work? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to understand it all? And I'll tell you this. Plain as day, like Paul had his conversion experience, without conversion, without being born again, made new, alive in Christ, there is no church to rediscover. There's no point because it is tied to the simple idea and concept that our lives have been transformed by the one and only, the one and only person that could do that, Jesus Christ. Jesus is a power converter because here's what he did. Jesus converted the power of death and sin in us. 
and converted it so that we might have power in his name through his word and through this body of believers. Amen. This is good stuff, people. Conversion is key. This is key. And so the church is for believers, yes. But that does not mean that it's exclusive because we would open our doors to anyone that might come to know Jesus because we were all beneficiaries of that conversion. We were all miserable sinners, right? We all fell short. We all messed up. We were all in need of a Savior. Now, Jesus comes, makes us whole, makes us new. We would need nothing outside of Jesus, and yet we still recognize that we are needy people. So as we recognize an almighty sovereign God, his identity that is established in his holiness, we will recognize that this, what we're doing right now, has significance. So from the the beginning of the church, going all the way back in the Old Testament days of the tabernacle and then the temple, and then in the New Testament era of the church being started, we have to understand there is a purpose and a plan according to God. And, And now, Paul writes in Ephesians, it was at a specific time that this mystery was hidden, and now Paul is now peeling back the layers so that we can see what's going on. So let's take a look um, at the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew actually tells us a few things about the church itself. And he brings forth what I'm calling the three greats. And we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to go to the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where we recognize the Great Commission. You're familiar with this passage. It reads, all authority has been given to me. This is Jesus' words here. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, th- go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we need to recognize this. Paul, as he's laying out this hidden mystery that is now happening, Jesus had given instructions about what was going to take place through the Great Commission. Number one, all authority in heaven and on earth is with him. While we are the body of Christ, the faithful believers, he is the head. He is the authoritative figure. We follow his lead. And then what are we supposed to do? Go and make disciples, to teach and to train, to follow and observe his commands. And thirdly, he says this, remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He is with us. It is a co-mission. We are the body. He is the head. Then the second great, also found in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. It is the great commandment. Jesus was questioned by some of the teachers, uh, or by some of the Pharisees, and they said, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? This, this was kind of a setup, and Jesus knew it, and so he presents it this way. It's fantastic. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. They knew that was coming. They counted on that, and they thought, We got him. And then he says, Oh, wait, there's more. There's another side to this coin. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So simply put, 
love God, love people, repeat. Love God, and I guarantee you, if you love God, you will be able to love people. You can love people, but you might not be able to love God. So make sure the order's right. Start with God. He's first. So we have the great commission, the great commandment. And then we have what I call the great declaration. In Matthew 21, verse 13, starting in verse 12, he says, it says that Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. Why was Jesus so upset about what was happening in the temple, in the church? Weary travelers had made their way to the area for an annual festival to worship. And the money changers and those in the temple courts, there was a section where there could be the buying and selling of goods. They were taking advantage of those travelers. And Jesus is enraged and gives us another definition of how we are to understand the church. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. That will define the church because we will commune with God through prayer. We will pray. It's significant. So now that we have this definition, we can move on. Matthew gives us this clear picture. He kind of frames up what the church is and maybe what it should do. But there's a more of a purpose and a plan here. So we go back to the text in Ephesians. This grace was given. It was a gift, so it was gifted. He says, this grace was given to me, Paul writes. He says, the least of all the saints. And what you find out is that Paul repeatedly throughout his writings, uh, shows humility. I think he recognized in that conversion experience when God uh, blinded him and, and then allowed him to see again that there was a level of humility. But what we also find out is the name Paul means little. So there's a little bit of a play on words here as he's describing himself. The least of all the saints. I'm just Paul. I'm just, I'm just one little dude sharing the mysteries that, were, that have been hidden, and now God has said, now's the time to reveal them. The incalculable or unsearchable riches in Christ Jesus. Now, some translations will say unsearchable, but we read Scripture that does speak to the reality that if we seek God with all our heart, He will be found. He's not too far. He's not so far that we cannot find him or be found in him. But these mysteries that were hidden in God for a time were just below the surface, just below the surface. When I was a teenager, my Aunt Cynthia and my grandparents bought a farmhouse in Stillwater, Ohio. And we would spend a lot of weekends going there working on the, uh, on the property. They had three or 400 acres in this really cool old farmhouse. Big barn out in the back and up in the loft... There were some loose floorboards. My brother Jason and I one day were up there horsing around, and there was a loose floorboard, and I, I pulled up on one to reveal 
this nest of uh, mice. There was like the mama mouse and all these little babies. They were all packed in in this little spot. But as I peeled it off, they started coming out and spreading out all over. You know, it was kind of cool and kind of freaky at the same time. That's the idea of what's happening here as Paul is now revealing these hidden mysteries. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot in there, and they're spreading out. And they're, but they, it was all right there, just under the surface. And now, by God's appointed purpose and plan and in his timing, this truth comes out. So what is the purpose for the church? What is the plan? Well, it comes down to the five ships. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, just like Steve talked about a minute ago, stewardship, and don't forget, outreach-ship. Evangelism-ship. It's the five ships. Just go with it. Okay. The ships of the church. There's a purpose in a planet. It begins with worship without conversion, without being born again, without the understanding of being made alive in Christ, made new, made whole and complete in him. There is no other reason to gather. Fellowship is great. Discipleship is good. We should give of our time, talent, and our treasure. we got to reach the world. But it begins. This is his house. And we worship him in a variety of ways. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart. That is broken. You guys are now starting to get the sway going. And great are you, Lord. We come into his house, first and foremost, to worship his holy name. Because our lives are different now because of him. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. We were bought with a price. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. We are his, and we worship him in his house. Amen. That's really great, but there's more. These hidden mysteries are, are pouring out. There's more. There's the fellowship, the rich enjoyment that we have with each other through events, programs, ministry, service. Great fellowship. We oftentimes find ourselves closer to this body of believers than to our own biological families at times. We understand it from a totally different perspective because eternity is on the line. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, growing in your relationship with God, growing in your understanding of who he is and what he's trying to do through you. This grace was given to Paul. What grace has God given to you? How are you living out your faith? And lastly, outreach. We worship him by representing him, by being a witness in this world, by telling others about the joy and the love and the life that we have found in his name. But to go back to that book citing what happened in the churches in America we are a product of our generation. We are a product of our culture. Sometimes preference trumps 
purpose and we lose sight of why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. But I'm here to tell you that purpose over preference is the way to go. Now, times change. Things are different. There will always be new methods and new ways of doing something, but we cannot compromise the true value of what it is that we're here for. Now, Mr. Dwayne comes up here and does a live announcement, but we have considered looking into video announcements. Heaven forbid. But we're going to give it a try. And maybe the, the way God is wanting to do things here may not be the way you want to do things here. That's okay, as long as we're keeping the purpose in the right place. God has a purpose and a plan for us here. Some people choose a church because of the awesome youth program or the children's program. Not at all a wrong reason, but it can't be the primary reason. Maybe they have really good cookies. Maybe the pastor dresses cool. Maybe there's a disc golf course on campus. Wouldn't know anything about that. But when the church functions properly, it is a healthy body. Praise God. We want to be a healthy body. Amen? So we have to understand this as we move on. We are the body and the bride of Christ. And there's specifics to this. Number one, as the body of Christ, we are the physical witness of a spiritual worth. We represent, we are ambassadors for God. We are the, the hands and feet. We are the boots on the ground. Right? We are the church militant, and that shouldn't be a negative thing, although it sounds like, who are we fighting? Well, we have a daily battle every single day, don't we? When we take a stand for the truth in what God's Word tells us in a world that would go the opposite direction. We're in a fight, and we need the body of believers, the body of Christ, to function in a proper manner, healthy, and functioning the way it was intended to be. A couple weeks ago, Rachel and I went to dinner um, and like we always do, right before the meal, we took hands. Uh, we were out at a restaurant at, up by Perimeter, and uh, we took hands and we prayed. And about 10 minutes later, this woman who was in the restaurant came over. She was walking out, stopped and thanked us and encouraged us because she was encouraged to see two believers praying. She said, thank you. We need to see more of that. And I said, make sure you're doing it. Let's be that, that witness in this world. Let's let everyone know God is still alive and well because he's alive in us and we're out there. Number two, we are the boots on the ground. Like I said, we're supposed to do his work. We're supposed to do what he called us to do, right? There is a reason that this gift of the church was given to us and it wasn't just for us. We are to share it with others. This is a corporate matter. And I will tell you this, to some, and maybe most of the people that are outside of this room that you come in contact with, you are the only Jesus they will ever see. Be the body of Christ. So we're called to do all these things. It's gifted to us. It's a corporate matter. Romans 1.16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first to the Jew, and then to the reptile, right? You've heard that before. I say reptile because our daughter, Corey, when we were 
when she was young, we were memorizing this passage, and for whatever reason, she couldn't get the word Gentile. It didn't make sense to her, and she always would say reptile. So first to the Jew and then to the reptile, let's make sure we're not ashamed of the gospel. The church is a body. We are a body. Jesus is the head. And then we are also the bride. And why is that significant? Well, if a body that's functioning properly represents health, a bride that is properly prepared represents beauty. We, the church, are the bride of Christ. And we are being prepared for him. He is the groom and we will be reunited one day. And we want to look real pretty, right, for the Lord. What's the significance here? Once again, it goes back to our conversion because of what he did for us and our completion. Now, maybe you've heard this at weddings. It's the Ephesians 5 passage. Interesting how this wedding passage can show up here as we're talking about rediscovering the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Hmm. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Hmm. Okay. And gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the, you're getting, you're getting good at this, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and care for it, just like Christ does for the... <laughs> you were quick on that one. Since we are members of his body, and for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the... <laughs> yeah, the church. God gave us the church, and God gave us marriage as a daily witness example of how we are to understand the relationship that we might have with him through our conversion and our completion. Because what's the end game here? What's the end result? This world is not our home. We don't belong here. There will be a day when there will be no more suffering, no more loss, no more tears. That is the end game. Our conversion is just the first half. Our completion is when we are reunited and the bride and groom are brought together. Philippians 1.6, For I am convinced that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God's purpose and plan in and through the church and ultimately with our completion in our relationship with him. So when a body functions the way it's supposed to, healthy. And when the bride is properly prepared, she is beautiful. Jesus went to the cross for us. Our lives are different now because of him. And because of that fact, we recognize that gathering matters. And it's not just why we gather, it's that what happens when we gather. Right now in this room, all of you are hearing 
my voice, hopefully the message that God himself wanted you to hear, a message that he wanted me to know and to hear. And together we share in collective hearing and teaching of his word. Together we share that. That is a byproduct of us gathering together. There's significance there. When you gather in your life groups, when you gather in your ABFs, when you gather, that is significant. So we are the beggars, the broken, and the blessed. Philippians 4.19 says that my God, our God, will supply all of our needs through his glorious riches, the incalculable riches in Christ Jesus. We get to share in the greatest global movement in all of human history. Let's recognize that today. Your testimony, every time you share your faith, is an opportunity by God's gifted provision to do his kingdom work, to be the body and the bride. So if you've ever heard a message, you've been in a room full of people, but you felt as if the message was written specifically for you, you've been to church. If you've been impacted by the gospel in such a way that you share that with someone else, you have been to church. And when you believe and walk humbly with your God as a faithful follower of Christ, you are the church. And today you can know that. If you don't have that assurance, if you don't have that hope of heaven, you can right here, right now, by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, the head of the body, and that he would give you direction, that you would be part of his purpose and plan. As we close, would you bow your heads and pray with me? <coughs> Excuse me. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we want to say thank you for the church. Thank you for this opportunity to peel back some layers to see just below the surface of what you have for us. That through the church, through this proclamation of the gospel, understanding what it means to be born again. We want to say thank you that our lives are different because of what you did for us on the cross. Lord, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. It is a free gift. The salvation comes through one name and one name only, that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that has never made that decision, that today they would consider what it means to just let go and surrender to you and say thank you. Had no idea my life could be this different. Had no idea that my life could be this rich because of who you are. Lord, I pray for those in this room that they would simply say thank you. Thank you for what you did for me, Jesus, so that I might be able to convert that sin and death into grace by your power. Lord, thanks again. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.